Hey, like it or not, work is a part of all of our lives. Whether it's homework, housework, busy work, or the work that pays the bills. During this series, we're talking about good work. We're glad that you've joined us for this episode, and I want to encourage you to stay to the end, and I have another message for you. And before you log off, don't forget to check in online by clicking that link in the chat. Thanks so much for being a part of this series. I hope it's an encouragement to you. our book study of Nehemiah, we are uncovering and discovering together some significant themes, some significant teaching that is a part of the book of Nehemiah. Why did God give us the book of Nehemiah? Well, we spent the first eight weeks in Nehemiah talking about leadership and what good quality godly leaders do. And we see another major theme in the book of being this idea of good work. And so if you have your Bibles, let's jump into this. We, if you're a guest with us, we give these Nehemiah journals to everyone who comes to Branch. Love for you to have one of these. We, we're getting low, so we're restocking, so hopefully you got one. If not, you can have this one. Bring it back with you if the Lord brings you back to Branch or join us online. Let us know online if you want one. We'll mail one to you, no charge. And then you can follow along with the series that we're going to be in, uh, Nehemiah, through April in a series of series. Now, uh, Nehemiah chapter 2 jumps us into the idea, for kind of the first time this idea of good work shows up in Nehemiah. And again, if the back screen could show the preview, that would be amazing. If you have your Bible, Nehemiah chapter 2, uh, starting in, in verse 18. And let me just get me back to where I want to be. Where we're talking about good work, good works is, is the best work. Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 18 gives us this thought. It says this, And God told them of the hand of my God that he had been upon me for good. And they said, Let us rise up and build. So they strengthened their hands for the good work. In our story of Nehemiah, Nehemiah had the hand of God on him to leave the palace and to go back to the destroyed city of Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Now, by raise of hand, how many of you have built walls? How many of you have built walls? Good. Not a lot of us. How many of you have built walls out of block? Yeah, it's a little bit harder than just putting that wood and that drywall up, right? I'm not a big wall builder. I don't know if you could tell by my stature or my vocation. Uh, but I was a, a part of a mission trip down to, to Bogota, Colombia, and our job at a camp was to build a three-story gymnasium completely out of brick. And so when I got down there, they gave us a crash course in brick building, in building walls out of brick. I got about an hour or two hours of training, and all of a sudden they put us on the sketchiest scaffolding you've ever seen. And we started building this gymnasium, which is a pretty big building, very high. The ball has to be able to fly without hitting the roof. Uh, out of brick and there was no like cranes there was no heavy machinery it was literally move every brick from the ground up the scaffolding onto the wall 
all the mortar and stuff included. So for two weeks, we were there, and from morning to night, all we did was lay brick. All we did was move blocks. I don't know if I've ever worked so hard in my life. I mean, I lost like 20 pounds. I, was, I got stronger. I put on all kinds of muscle. It was so amazing. I came back home, and my fiance, Jen, goes, my, you look good. I was like, well, thank you. Yeah, Shows you what a little hard work will do. I said, don't get used to it. I'm going into ministry, right? So, so, so she married me anyway, and, and I had this experience of building a wall. Now, we worked with some incredibly hard workers from Bogota, the people that we connected with that do this every day, all day. Their hands are calloused. They have all the systems down. They know how to do this kind of hard work. And what Nehemiah was called on by God, what God laid his hand on him to do for good was the good work of building a wall. That's what he was asked to do. And Nehemiah, as a leader, then was able to convince the people of God so they, all of God's people, strengthened their hands for the good work. And we see this idea introduced to us that God's people, in some way, shape, or form, are supposed to have a relationship with good work. Now, we started diving into, or I started diving into this thought, seeing it come up over and over again, and realizing that, yes, the Bible has a lot to say about work, and it makes sense. All of us are involved in work in some shape or form all the time, right? Whether it's busy work or homework, all the teenagers said, amen. Maybe it's housework. Maybe it's the work that pays the bills. But we all work all the time. And some of us think that work is legit a four-letter word. We, we, it, it's a curse word. We don't like it. We try to get away from it. And we go to Genesis and we say, look, we didn't really have to work until after sin came in the world. So work is bad. And so I'm going to work hard to work as little as possible so that I can be comfortable or have fun or work hard to play hard. And, and we try to escape work. But what if work was actually good? What if, what if actually good work is the best work? And what if God actually in our lives and in our purpose has designed for us to do good works? Now, in Nehemiah chapter 4, which is where we left off last week, the idea of work comes up again. So turn to Nehemiah chapter 4, and this is where you can probably park your notes today in your journal. Nehemiah chapter 4 in, in, in my journal, it's, it's page 20. And let me just read this section for you. Now, as I read Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 15 to the end of the chapter, the question is, your homework assignment is, see how many times the word work or a synonym for the word work comes up in this passage. Nehemiah chapter 4, uh, chapter four verse 15. When our enemies heard that it was known to us that God had frustrated their plan, We all return to the wall, and each one to his, what's the next word? Work. So that's the first one you want to circle, right? So circle that in there. That's number one. Remember, Nehemiah had started building the wall. He got like 60 team leaders involved. They got got threatened to be attacked by their neighbors so that the neighbors would keep them weak. And so this is their response to that. God frustrated their plans, and they decided to go back to work. Verse 16, from that day on, that's a big, that's a loaded sentence. So it means for a long time. Half of my servants worked on construction, and half of them held the spears, the shields, the bows, and the coats of mail. 
The leaders stood behind the wall in the house of Judah, and they were building the wall. Those who carried burdens were loaded in such a way that each one labored on the work with one hand and held his weapon with the other. And each of the builders had a sword strapped to their side while they built. The man who was sounding the trumpet was beside me, and I said to all the nobles and the rest of the people, the work is great and, the wall, and widely spread, and we're separated on the wall far from each other. In the place where you hear the trumpet, rally to us, and God will fight for us. So they were continuing the good work with all of their efforts while being ready in case they were going to be attacked. So all of this is setting that up. Verse 21, so we labored at the work, and half of them held the spears from the break of dawn until the stars came out. I also said to the people at that time, let every man and his servant pass the night within Jerusalem, in other words, stay within the walls, that they may be guarded by us by night, and that they may labor by day. So neither I nor my brothers or my servants or the men of the guard who followed me, none of us took off our clothes and we kept our weapon at his right hand. In other words, we didn't put our PJs on. We stayed ready to do the work. Here's what I notice in this section and what we're going to unpack over the next several weeks as we're in this series through chapter 7 is that God called Nehemiah in every circumstance, whether in danger or in peace, uh, whether, whether it was sunny or cloudy, right, to be about the work that he was calling him to do. And the work was hard. They were up when the sun came up, and they went to bed when the stars came out. They were working the entire time from sunrise to sunset. They labored on year after year after year to do this. They weren't just building a three-story gymnasium out of bricks. They were building like the Great Wall of China around an entire city, all by hand. And God called that work good, but that work was hard. What we're going to see over the next few weeks is that when we are involved in good works, when God calls us, and he does, as followers of Jesus to be involved in good works, that that often includes hard work. So our first idea connected to good work is simply this, good works hard. Good works hard. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 5 through 23. How many times did the word work or a synonym for the word work come up? Shout it out. Not seven. Good try. This is Josh numbers, so I'm not guaranteeing this is 100% accurate. Eight. Eight times. So close. Seven was close. Eight times did the word work or the word labor come up in those few verses. Now here's a Bible study pro tip. Anytime you see the Bible repeating a word over and over again, you need to sit up and pay attention. God is trying to tell you something about that word or about that topic in this passage of Scripture. And in this Scripture and throughout the next several chapters, work, hard work, and good work is going to come up over and over and over again. God had his hand on me for good, so they strengthened their hands for good work. And every time we see a hero in the Bible, you can mark that God uses heroes who work hard. God uses heroes who work hard. First of all, we have Nehemiah, right, who's com completely changed his life around. And Nehemiah, through his leadership, convinced the people to have a mind to work. 
great leaders multiply leaders. And these guys had a mind to do the work that they were called to do. In the Bible, there's a character named Deborah, awesome character in the New Testament. She's also called a deaconess, which basically means servant. She was somebody who served on a regular basis. And every time she's mentioned in Scripture, she has around her this reputation of being someone who is a very hard and diligent worker for God, for the kingdom, for the church, and in her community. Joseph was, was basically abandoned by his brothers, sold into slavery, and he had to go now live in Egypt, right? So he left the place of prominence, and he was sold into slavery. How many of you would work really hard in slavery if you didn't want to be there, right? And, and Joseph didn't want to be there. He was in a hard situation. He ended up in jail but he worked so hard, even in a hard time, that he was promoted to the second in command of the entire country. He was noted for his hard work. Noah was commanded by God to work tirelessly to build the ark. How many of you work really hard when there's a deadline, right? I was famous in, I was famous, infamous, I'm the only one who knew this, in, high, in, in my freshman year in college. My claim to fame was I did 14 all-nighters my freshman year of college. Now if I do all-nighter, I'm like toast for a month, right? So I did, I did 14 all-nighters. Why? Because the assignment was due the next morning, right? And so I waited till the very last minute, did the all-nighter, got the assignment done, worked really hard when I was supposed to be sleeping because there was a deadline. Imagine your deadline being the end of the world, right? And so here comes the deadline. I'm sending a flood, and Noah, you better have the boat built, and it better have room for all the animals, right, two by two to be in it. Imagine Noah. He was called to work tirelessly for years and generations building a boat. What's a boat? That didn't stop Noah. He got it done. He worked hard. And then Ruth, man, a cool, cool character in the Bible, a hero of the faith, Ruth was a young widow, and, and her mother-in-law, she decided to take care of, and neither of them had kind of the provider of the house. In, in that culture, they didn't have a husband or husbands to provide for them, so they were, they were poor, they were poverty-stricken, and Ruth committed herself to take care of Naomi, and what they did to supply for themselves was they gleaned in the fields, which, went, which means they came over and they got the leftovers. So if you cut the, cut the head of lettuce out, there was still this much left. They came and got that much, and they used that to survive on. And she worked so hard at that that she caught the attention of Boaz and became a hero of the faith simply because of her good work. Now the question is, are you someone who's known for working hard, or are you someone who's known for hardly working? right? One of my great dad jokes of all times. Hey, 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 you working hard or you hardly working, right? Use that one this week. You see your kids hanging out after school. You're working hard or you're hardly working. And I feel like a lot of us as a culture, when we come to this idea of work, we work really hard at not working, right? Like we want to get through work as quick as possible so we can get to the not working part. Because the not working part is where the fun is, it's where you really live life, it's, it's, where, it's where you smile, and, and it, the, the not working is great as long as I can get past the working. And somehow in, in, in God's idea of redemption and true life and life more abundant, he said, wait a minute, the working part can be just as amazing as the not working part. There actually can be a purpose to your work that gives you fulfillment and meaning. I, I was listening to a 
a guy, I don't know if it was on TikTok, or I don't have TikTok, so it wasn't that, but it was, it was this guy on the computer, and he wanted to, he was singing a song, and the opening of his song was, life has no meaning, life has no purpose. The ending of his song was, so just do whatever you want whenever you want to do it, because we're only, we're just, we're just nothing anyway. And I got sad. I was like, that's not true. Life does have meaning. Life does have purpose. There is a point to the work that we do. There's a reason that God has called us to labor and to work. And God has his hand on us for good. And that means he has his hand on us for good work. And what we're going to uncover over the next several weeks is that when we do good works, and we do good works for the good reasons that God has given it to us, it gives us purpose and power to change the world. God will use you and your hard work to become a hero of the faith. In other words, we all have good works to do for kingdom impact. We all have good works to do for kingdom impact. Now, I, I can't study good works without thinking about the theology of work. So let's look at Workology 101. And the place we need to go for that is Titus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. So if you have your Bibles, go with me to Titus chapter 3, verses 1 to 15. Let me tell you about Titus, because this is going to be fascinating for you. Titus was a young pastor, and he was leading people who followed Jesus. And that's what pastors do. Uh, pastors and elders, like we talked about with Jeff. And so the pastor of pastors, Paul, wrote an entire book to Titus to give him instructions about being a pastor and what to help people to do. And the first chapter in the book of Titus is the qualifications for pastors and elders. And so if Jeff is going to be an elder for Branch Life Church, he's got to meet the qualifications in Titus chapter 1. So you should read Titus chapter 1 before November 19th and measure that against Jeff and myself and the other pastors and elders. And, and then, chapter 2, Paul gives Titus some more instructions about what it means to be a leader and to be a pastor. And in chapter 3, he brings in this idea of all the things he could tell a young pastor to do. He brings in the idea of good works. And it's fascinating that one-third of the book of Titus is about workology. And this is a significant teaching all through Scripture. It shouldn't shock us that the Bible has a lot to say about work. So look at Titus chapter 3. Let me start reading in verse 1. To Titus, to his church, Paul says, Remind them, remind them, the followers of Jesus, to be submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient and ready for every good work. Now, Titus cha chapter 3, verse 1 is that a, a hard verse for the American church to hear today? Is that, is that something that we are good at? Being submissive to rulers and authorities and to be obedient, right? That's sometimes, somehow that message maybe has been drowned out in our culture. But God has called us as pastors to remind our church, our church each other, that we should be submissive to the rulers and the authorities around us. Why? Because God teaches clearly that all rulers and all authorities are put into place by him. The God-given authority that we have, we're supposed to submit to. Whether it's government authority or your boss at work. 
whether, it, whether it's your manager at, during your shift or your parent at home, whether it's your pastor at church or your coach on the field, we are supposed to be respectful and submissive to our authority. What a reminder. Why? We're also supposed to be ready for every good work. Somehow, that positions us to do good work. A couple of things he says then in verse 2. Speak evil of no one. Avoid quarreling. Be gentle and, and show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves once were foolish and disobedient. We, let, we were led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures. Passing our days in malice and envy. We, hated, we were hated by others and we hated one another. One of the marks of people who are not following Jesus is they're just passing their days away with malice, with envy, with pleasure, with pursuit of pleasure. And they're just passing their days away one day after another. One day, let's just go have fun. Let's just do what feels good. They're passing it away. Verse 4. But when goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior appeared, verse 5, circle this, He saved us. Amen? He saved us, not because of works done by righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and the regeneration of the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ our Savior. So being justified by his grace, we might become heirs to the hope of eternal life. What Titus is reminded of and what he's supposed to remind all of us of is that good works don't save anyone. Jesus does. He saves us. He has done the ultimate good work and it is completely finished. And so he says, you need to be ready for good work, not because good work saves you. That's already been taken care of. Jesus saves us. We follow him but when we follow him, let's go to verse 8. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things, that those who believe in God may be careful to do what? To devote themselves to, say it with me, good works. God calls every follower of Jesus not to be fond of good works, not to appreciate good works, not to acknowledge good works, not to occasionally step on good works by accident, but to be devoted to good works. What does the word devoted mean to you? The word devoted means in Scripture means passionately, rhythmatically committed to the regular, daily practice of good works. It's called to be a mark in our lives. As followers of Jesus. We are to be devoted to good works. But avoid. Right? Be devoted to good works. But avoid foolish controversies. Genealogies. Dissensions. And quarrels about the law. They are unprofitable and worthless. Sometimes the, theo the deep theological debate is a waste of time. Especially if it's diverting us from the work that God has. And as a person who stirs up divisions after warning them once and twice, have nothing to do with them, knowing that such a person is warped and sinful. Jump down to verse 14. And, 
let our people learn to devote themselves to good work so as to help the case, the cause of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. You see, Titus chapter 3 really unpacks for us this workology that we all have good works to do. Why? Because every follower of Jesus is supposed to be devoted to good works. But remember these three marks of good works, these three principles about the teaching of good work. Mark number one, good works doesn't save you, right? He saves us. Now this, this mark, this teaching, this truth principle is one of the most confused truths in all the world. There are millions and millions and millions of people who today believe that good works save them. That if they go to church, it will save you. That if they get baptized, it'll save you. That if they do more good than bad, it'll save you. That if they say the right magic words, it'll save them. Listen, the Bible is very, very, very clear that good works doesn't save you. I saw another video of a dancing priest online who said, you think good works don't save you? Well, they do. And he listed a bunch of these verses that talk about works and doing good and doing good works. And I'm like, he's got it all wrong. None of those verses were were in context, ripped out of the pages of Scripture. When you read the context of Scripture, it is clear God saves, not you. So I can't go to church and get saved. I only get saved by following Jesus. Baptism doesn't save you. Only following Jesus saves you. Praying special prayers doesn't save you. Only following Jesus saves you. Giving money doesn't save you. Only following Jesus saves you. Good works doesn't save you. Only following Jesus saves you. And you can't let the devil get this cart before the horse. He would love to say good works saves you, so be good. That's not how it works. There are none righteous, no, not one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You and I have the same incurable disease. We can't heal ourselves. We can't fix ourselves. We can't work ourselves out of this problem of sin. The only one that can do that is Jesus. And what separates belief in Jesus from every other religion, from every other faith out there, is every other faith says you have to work in some way to save yourself. Belief in Jesus says that the work is already done. Jesus has done the work. Jesus has done the work that saves you and I. So how are we saved? If you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. Simply believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And if you have not yet done that, today can be the day of your salvation. The second thing that Titus preaches and teaches is that good works must mark saved people. In other words, here's the cart that comes after the horse. If salvation is the horse, the cart is you and I must be involved in good works. And we're going to see in just a moment that verse after verse after verse in the Bible teaches us this truth. Those who have believed must be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. Excellent and profitable. And then the third thing is that what the good works include, it's not, it's not excluding other things, but good works include caring for those with urgent need. Let them be devoted to good works so to help in the cases of urgent need and not to be unfruitful. Here at Branch Life Church, we believe the deeper your connection to Christ, the more fruit you will bear. The life of a branch is deepening our connection to Christ so that we can bear much fruit. And that fruit provide shade, shelter, and sustenance to our neighbors, to our community, and to our world 
And that fruit includes good works. So just to sum this up, good works doesn't save people. And maybe today you've been trusting in something else other than Jesus to save you. Maybe you've had hope. Maybe you thought if I was just good enough or religious enough. And today you're hearing me clearly say to you, that doesn't save you. You must simply put your faith and trust in Jesus. Well, today can be the day where you have this conversation with God, believe in your heart, confess in your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. Right here, right now, if you're not sure you're saved, you can bow your heart and quietly have a conversation with God and say, God, I know I'm a sinner. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And I want to accept the free gift of salvation. I would love for you to do just that. If you're not ready to do that in this moment, I'd encourage you to go to the gospel tab on our website at any time this week or come talk to one of our prayer team members and we'd love to have that conversation. If you are saved, let me challenge you with this thought. Good works doesn't save people, but saved people do good works. And we're going to look at this as a church over the next several weeks. And we're going to challenge ourselves to do the good that God has asked us to be devoted to. The book of James says it very strongly. If the, as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also is faith apart from works dead. If you don't have good works, do you believe in Jesus? That's how strongly James says it. Look at some of these other awesome passages. Workology, Ephesians 2.10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? Good works which God prepared beforehand so that we should walk in them. As simple as walking and breathing, good work should be a regular part of our lives. Matthew 5, 16, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and glorify your Father who is in heaven. This should be a reputation of the people of God that we are about the good works of God and in the name of God. 2 Timothy three sixteen. why did God give you the Bible? The, all scripture is God-breathed so that the man of God may be complete and equipped for every good work. He's calling us to it. Let's go. Hebrews 10, 24. Let us consider how we should stir one another up to good works. What is the workology of the Bible? What does God say about this thing called good works? Save people, serve people. It's what God has called us to do. And when you serve people, when you go to do what God has his hand on you to do, it's going to be hard work. It takes hard work to be known for good work. One of the things that, that I'm committed to and what Branch Life is committed to, one of the places where I, I think we could improve, where I've fallen short as a pastor, is calling us as a church to be known for our good works. Thankfully, by God's grace, we've had a passion for impacting our neighbors since the beginning of our church. We believe that God said, love God with all your heart, soul, and mind. Amen? And then he said, love your neighbor as yourself. When he said those two things, he meant it. And so a passion of ours has been to love our neighbors, to care for those in need, to do good around us, but we could do better. We could do more. We could be more devoted to this as a church. And in Hebrews, chapter, in Hebrews chapter 10, where we just read it, it, we are commanded to think about how can we stir each other up to this. So in order to kind of breathe this life into our church, I want to tell you what we have done and what we are planning to do. The way that we've encouraged you as a church 
to this point to be involved in good works is primarily through your small group. I believe that God talks to individuals individually to lead them to do good works, and I think that can happen. Sometimes as a church, we all get together and we say, this project needs to take place, this thing needs to happen, and we need to be all in. Sometimes that happens. But in between the individual and the entire body, there's small groups that really make up the core of who we are. Your families, the small group Bible study that you're a part of, the community group that you're in. And we ask our small groups to study the Bible when they get together at least twice a month. But that still leaves four other weeks in the month. And, and what we ask you to do with one of those other weeks is to intentionally serve somebody. Because in your small group, there are people who have connections to people in urgent need. To opportunities to show love. And sometimes it's just the most, we've seen the most beautiful thing happen with a small group of 10 or 15 people who come together to love their neighbors in some kind of special way. In our small group, we have a teacher at Barth Elementary. And Barth Elementary is one of the poorest schools in our entire region. And they have some of the, some of the most at-risk and at-need families. Well, when Barth Elementary wants to do a trick-or-treat, they don't have the resources for candy, but our teacher knows that we love our neighbors, and so she says to our small group, can we collect candy? And our small group says, sure, let's let the whole church know. And then you guys collect candy over the last, last three weeks, and it doesn't seem like a very big deal unless you're Barth Elementary. And over this past week, Barth Elementary had their trunk-or-treat, had so much candy, they gave it all out to the kids, giant smiles on their faces, and they said to our, our small group, Say thank you to your church. Thank you for sending us candy. That was good. And that little connection through the small group has made an impact now that's repeated year after year in our community for good. We know of dozens of ways your small groups have reached out to serve. And what we want to ask you to do is accept the Good Works Challenge. During this series, our goal is to highlight good works throughout our church. Let your good works be seen before men so they can glorify your Father in heaven. And we're asking you as friends, as families, and as groups to intentionally serve in big and small ways all around our community throughout the holidays. I know in December 15th, we're going to do the food box giveaway. We're going to give 250 food boxes away. We're going to spend that entire week packing those boxes. We're partnering with the Pottstown Area Children's Foundation. Your group, your family could get involved in that. And we as a church are going to offer you menus of opportunities where you can serve. I was just working with one of our other community partners the other day, Costco, and they decided that I needed to have one of these sweatshirts because we do so much work through Costco. It's kind of like a kind of like a perfect fit for us, right? And we we every week collect food from Costco, hand it out to the to the food programs all throughout town, the Salvation Army, to the homeless encampment, and we're regularly involved there. We have people at part of our church, part of our small groups that are doing that on a regular basis. You could help with something like that. Or you may know a neighbor that just simply needs meals or encouragement or, or, or a, a work project done. There's thousands and thousands of ways. So your assignment with your friends at your dinner table today or tomorrow and with your group this week is to say, how can we work? What can we do for good? And every week we'll give you more ideas. Every week we'll tell you more stories. And here's what I guarantee will happen. If the work is good work, God's going to use it. 
He's going to use it in your lives. He's going to use it in the lives of the people around us. And it's going to cost, it's going to mean sacrifice. It's going to mean effort. It's going to mean sweat and toil. It's going to mean finances. It means all of those things. But we're supposed to be devoted to this good work. And I can't wait to see what God will do. And here's what I want you to do. Every week, if you guys do a a project, big or small, let us know in your check-in. Better yet, share with us the thank you card that you get. We do a lot of work projects around our community, and it's not often we get thank you cards, but we do get them. Just this past week, two of our community partners wrote us thank you notes. They said, Branch, thank you so much for this special thing that you did. It's been encouraging to us. We just want to let you know what God used. And my idea is that on this back wall, we'll just hang thank you notes during this series. And the more that we get, the more that we can hang. And we can just be delighted that God is doing good things. And if someone says to you, hey, thank you for doing this for us. Can I give you some money? Can I, can I, can I return the favor and somehow say, no, no, don't give me any money. We just want to show you the love of God. We just care about you. But if you want to do something, would you simply write us a thank you note and ask them to write a note. And we can use that to encourage one another to do good works. I believe as followers of Jesus, save people, serve people, and it's one of the best things we can do with our time, energy, and effort. So together as a church, let's take the good works challenge, and let's pray and see what God can do, because we've got some work to do. Our call during this series is to get to work. Let's pray together. God and Heavenly Father, as we consider the theology of good works, Lord, today we pray that you would make it crystal clear to all of us how we are to be saved. And Lord, if there's any here that don't know you as personal Lord and Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. And God, they wouldn't leave this place without doing business with you. And God, we would pray that you would erase the confusion around works and salvation. That we would know we don't work for our salvation, but we work because we're saved. And God, we ask that you would encourage us as we devote ourselves to good works during this holiday season, that we would be able to love neighbors well, and we as a church would be known what we're for, and and that we love to serve in the name of Jesus. And we pray, God, that you would open doors for us as friends, as families, and as groups to serve in big and small ways, that you would make it clear to us as we talk together and pray together about how we can do good. With the, with the people around us. God, that you would allow us to, to reach into those families, into those places, into those parts of our communities where there is need, and you would help us to meet that need. And God, that you would then glorify the name of Jesus and that people would come to Christ because of the good work challenge. And we, Lord, pray that this would be an incredibly positive experience for Branch Life Church over the next several weeks. Challenge us, grow us, and use us in ways that we can't even think or imagine. In your precious and holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening all the way through. I hope this has been an encouragement to you as we've talked about good that works, good that makes a difference. And I hope that this has made a little difference in your life. We'd love to hear from you before you log off. So go to branchlife.church and check in with us no matter when you're watching this video. I wanna encourage you to be a part of our next episode, whether it's online or even in person. And, And I've been praying for you. Have a great rest of your day. And we'll see you next time.